Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. So this is our third installment. These will be piecemeal together. I'm not sure how, but I've asked these wonderful women to come on for this panel with very different angles of the look of the showgirl. And we, we've talked in every one of these, the confusion of even that word, what is a showgirl? Because I went, Lindsay, I, whatever you said before this, I want to come back to that because a lot of us didn't think that's what we were ever called until later when we get lumped in and this word has just become convoluted and misunderstood and we have to justify it feels like we always come at it with the the angle of like yes but this instead of just like just say yes I was a showgirl because I think most of us can't just say that part without the qualifiers that help us feel like what we did was very legitimate and beautiful so I have Sue Kim Chung today with me and Elizabeth Phillips and Lindsay Raven and this section is turning out to be a little bit more about the archiving and the importance of of keeping this history written in museums and books and why with the Lido closing, I think a lot of us are feeling it even more. Like I have Elizabeth's book. I got the Lido book when I was in Paris and I'm just adding, I've got them that Lindsay and your son, I have all these and I have them in a very precious stack that mean more to me than they ever would have a few years ago. So I'm really grateful that there are people that are documenting that are keeping these things together. So when this memory you know, that's basically faded away from Las Vegas and not much left in Paris that I think is really important that we, we have the people that are doing the hard work of collecting all this. So I'm going to ask Elizabeth Phillips, who I'm going to see in like three days in Paris. We're both going to be there. And we're, I don't know if you knew this, but the show is closing the one week after we see it. So we got in there just in the nick of time to see the show before it closes. So we're going to be meeting up, which is super fun. And Elizabeth's representing this part of Bluebell history that goes back in the 60s. And she's been on a few times. She's written a book. But Elizabeth, will you just share a little bit about what you did okay. as a Bluebell? Yes, I was a Bluebell for nine months in 1960, 61. And uh, that, oh, when I toured Italy. I and I was in a group of 12 and we were dancers and there were no showgirls there, just dancers. And definite delineation that we were covered. What was the delineation? Because you had said, when I asked you your showgirl, you're like, oh no, because a lot of us are confused later. Like we're, I think I was, but you were very clear you were not a showgirl. At the time, the ads in the stage newspaper, uh, Miss Bluebell would be advertising for showgirls and dancers. Um, but um, there was no way that I would want to finish it. The one of the girls that was in my so sorry every time. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay, sorry, Elizabeth. Before the dog set the alarm, um, there were two of us going to a, a together going to a ballet class in London that were you know, that were really bluebells. We knew we would be bluebells, and uh, the other girl went to Paris. And I found out that Miss Bluebell had uh, put her in the showgirl line. And I found that out and quickly called Peter Baker, the agent in London, and said, you know, how do you do that with me? Are you like, that's not one. I can't do that. You know, because my, oh, my family would, I mean, that wouldn't be a Bluebell. 
that just you know, nobody, they would not have been able to tell anybody. Like, I, I don't know. I just wouldn't have done it. There's no way. Uh, anymore? Do you... Were there bluebells? There was no showgirls in the show that you did, the touring show. Yeah, also, I thought, I mean, the costumes, we knew the costumes were gorgeous for showgirls. So at the time, I was thinking, oh, costumes were gorgeous. So obviously, you couldn't tour with those costumes. And, you know, how would you pack them up? Um, and it was interesting that during the show, we had a replacement, um, a a dancer that had been in Las Vegas and she'd roomed with a showgirl when she was in a contract with, as a bluebell in Las Vegas and she'd roomed with a showgirl. And I'd hear her chatting about her roommate and I was thinking, oh, oh, they're just regular girls. <laughs> I, I don't know what I thought they were, but I, that she'd roomed with a showgirl, <laughs> wow. So that Did was, you have, do you know there was some assumption about what showgirls I, were? Well, I, I suppose it was definitely, you know, England has about 30, in 1960, England had about 30 different social classes and a dancer was higher than a showgirl, I guess. That I, I think that would be what I would say, no. And okay, in, yeah. In English society, you were always trying to put yourself a little bit higher than somebody in that 30 classes, so. Yeah, yeah. human nature. Did you ever see an ad that was for showgirls and dancers separate when you, or it was, well, gosh, delineation oh, of yeah. those auditions. They wouldn't be at the same audition. Would she have auditioned people separately? In Blue Wells, ads had showgirls. I'm sure they had showgirls and dancers on the ad. Yeah. yeah. So she and back then, it was a step touch. It really wasn't the, any dancing. It was more... Oh, yeah. She used pirouettes. She did a little something when you copied what she did. Uh, she being Miss Bluebell. Um you had to do, and I, I read some more, I, I read an, uh, a piece in the Daily Mirror where um, she, someone had not even taken their coat off and she said, oh, you're not what I'm looking for. So some people didn't even have to take their coat off. <laughs> so you didn't all get to dance even. Was there a, a height difference too, do you know, like showgirls and the dancers, like the showgirls for a lot of shows had to be even taller than the dancers who were already tall. The girl I was dancing with was definitely taller than me. I don't remember the height difference. Hmm. We're going to come back to you because I want to talk about your book. And Sue, Sue <laughs> okay. Kim, can you introduce yourself? Because you didn't do these shows. And that's why I think it's so fascinating to hear your story. That you're not telling it for your own personal, this is my story. Uh, no, I'm, I'm an archivist by trade. I'm Sue Kim Chung, and I'm the curator of entertainment history collections at the UNLV Library Special Collections. And so part of my actual job is to document this history of um, Las Vegas uh, and, you know, entertainment, of course, playing a big part in, in the history of Las Vegas. And of course, the production shows and, and of course, shows like Lido de Paris and Casino de Paris and Folie Bergère playing a huge part in the history of, of entertainment. Um, so that's kind of how I, I became interested in it. And then of course, probably, you know, uh, my very first friend that I made after, since moving here 23 years ago was actually a dancer who'd come from an, a British dancer who had been a, a dancing nude and in the Lido in Paris. And then she had married an American and she came over to Las Vegas to, so he could, you know, have his 
you know, kind of music career here in Las Vegas. It's like one of the few places you could move if you had, you were a dancer and your husband was a musician back in the day, not anymore really. But um, so uh, she had come here to be a, a, a dancing nude in, in Jubilee. And so um, I met her. And so then I was also doing this work um, processing the Don Arden papers. And so I got more of an understanding because I could um, through her, I got to meet Fluff and, and a lot of other dancers. And so it just, as, as you probably know, it's a very small kind of incestuous world of entertainment in Las Vegas and Reno. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also in, in Paris, because people, I think, moved back and forth at a time. So um, getting to know that whole family and, and being able to kind of understand um, all, you know, I, I would see like the documents and I would see letters um from Pierre-Louis Guerin and to Don Arden, I would see correspondence from Miss Bluebell in the archives. And you just feel like you almost know somebody. And I would see um, um, correspondence from Trisha Lee to Don Arden. Um, and it was just, and then, you know, now I know Trisha and Patrick and it's just, it's amazing. Um, but it, the documentation is so important, not only because it's wonderful to look at for nostalgia purposes, but as we know that the shows have, are, are not with us much longer, you know, losing the, the Lido in Paris is kind of the kind of almost final kind of death knell. Um, but we have all this wonderful documentation from the costume designs and the show production notes and the set designs and the programs and, and you know, reviews and advertisements. So you really, you have this whole documentation of this world so that we can make sure that you know, we, we have this record of it and people can study and research it and um, write more about it and write in depth about it. And we have oral histories of dancers and showgirls. Um, so we just have a complete um, documentary record. I mean, nothing's ever complete because there's, there's always more that we can, we can collect, but um, that's kind of how I came into it. And it just, just kind of been my love. And I, I, every year I do, um, panels um at the library and i'm i do i'm up next year i'm planning to do one about the lido because it's the 65th anniversary of the lido coming to las vegas um um, from in 1958 and then also because of the lido closing i wanted to do something and also so have sort of a bookend of panels on the lido and um also miss bluebell so hopefully working with patrick to do a panel on miss bluebell as well oh please let me know i will come down every time i see one i'm like i would love 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 to just sit in and hear those stories in person and um lindsay i just know i don't know if you saw our panel on the the opening of jubilee and i did one with uh, trisha and janet spellman um so we did record it so let me make sure i get you the link so okay wonderful watching that and I did another one with Athena and Diane Palm and some other folks and so we'll have that uh, recording up soon as well so um, that's amazing having that um, sort of oral component where people get to share their memories and then also having the documentation is really valuable so you came 23 years ago because I was there 40 years ago and that was when Hallelujah Hollywood was going and the Stardust had shows, the Dunes, maybe the Dunes was done, but there were so many shows on the Strip. And so when you came there, what was still left? I know Jubilee, but was... Jubilee, uh, Folly Bergere. Um, gosh, I think that's... That's kind of it, right? Yeah, you know, there's this sort of... Greg Thompson had some stuff off and on. Yeah. He, he did have a show called Showgirls, I think. Yeah, at the Rio. Um, 
and and then of course well I mean tangentially not you know there was crazy girls and splash and you know fantasy at the Luxor which are again far removed from the elegance in my opinion I don't want to get in trouble here but I think <laughs> from the elegance of the Lido and Jubilee and the Don Arden and Bluebell shows and the Folie Bergere the French shows so but. did you see any of the shows before you started archiving was that something I, you would have gravitated towards I'm gonna obviously, go see one of these shows obviously because I made a friend and it was kind of a sort of a, a strange thing you know I, I met this we met sort of completely outside of our both of our working worlds we met taking a class on CPR but I was a librarian and she's a you know training she's a dancing nude um you know well showgirl was what I I didn't really know the term dancing nude at the time and you know she's this tall beautiful blonde British showgirl and you know I'm this kind of nerdy librarian and then we've been friends ever since and I'm godmother to her son and um you know, because of her, I got exposed to that world. And I used to go back, I go to the light booth and watch the show kind of repeatedly. I probably saw Jubilee 25 times over the course of her being in the show. And, and of course, then I saw, um, I actually saw it closing night as well. So um, oh. yeah, it was just a, a special, special time. And one, you know, obviously I wasn't in the show, but I certainly um, sure miss them. And they just, I, I feel sad for people who moved to Las Vegas now and haven't had that opportunity to see a show and how beautiful it was. And I know some people say, well, you know, at the end they got kind of old fashioned and, but there's just something about it. I mean, it's that essence of, of Las Vegas glamour. I mean, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Cirque shows are fun to watch, but it's not the same. So. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't need 12 Cirque shows. One, one would have been fine. And then a choice. Um, did you choose to do these archives or was that an assignment? Was it when you got to start collecting these things? Was that something you chose as part of your job or? It sort of kind of fell on me. And I think because I had connections via my my best friend and I had met so many showgirls it just sort of naturally what they call a snowball effect that I just became sort of the point person for that and you know I just and I you know I just was interested in it so I knew more about it so when I would talk to a donor I would be able to reference oh Miss Bluebell or I'd be able to reference Fluff and I'd be able to say oh well did you work with so-and-so so so you kind of engender trust in your donors if you know what they're what's important to them. And um, for some people, this is a, was a really important time in their life. So being knowledgeable about it um, can be something that really um, engenders trust and, and people wanting to donate because they know that you respect their work and you wanna um, um, keep it and preserve it for posterity. I wanna come back to more of that. I just, when I was with Athena, we did the Showgirl road trip last summer to get to go in UNLV and just have this nice, quiet place to look at things and take our time and you we've got to pick which catalogs and I spent all my time in Bluebell's books but I know that uh, Athena was there longer than me and she got to look through Don Arden's it is such a cherished thing that will even be more so because just to touch her books and know that this was these are things that mattered to Miss Bluebell to put them in a book and I could have stayed many more hours so I plan on coming back down and I just was so grateful to know that this is this is preserved with respect somewhere so I'm really grateful for what you do. And I will be back because I want more time in there because it just wasn't enough. And I wanted to mention to Elizabeth and Lindsay that the Don Arden papers are actually preserved. So there are, I'm sorry, they're actually online. So I can send you the link and you could look at photographs and programs and things, um, lovely photographs 
uh, of, of Miss Bluebell and Dawn way back in the 1940s and 50s when they were young and um, so, so much fun to look at those older photos. I think for people um, who were in the shows in the 80s and 90s who might have only seen Dawn Arden and Bluebell as older, um, mm -hmm. to see them sort of young and on the ship crossing the Atlantic is really kind of fun and, and, and eye-opening and, and, and see pictures if you knew Fluff to see her as a dancer uh, as opposed to the yeah. sort of the woman backstage who was kind of controlling everything and you were a little bit scared of I think is, is fun too so I'd be sure and send you the link to kind of explore uh, those um, collections. Oh, wow. Oh, okay, I'm coming. I have more questions. We'll come back. Because <laughs> I when there's the beginning and the ending, which is also so much of our story, those who are at the front end, those who are at the, the tail end, I'm thinking, my heart is going out to this, this young cast right now that we're tall girls with beautiful training going to go now. And to and see something beautiful end is hard. And so you saw that. And then Lindsay, you were there for the beginning of Jubilee. So can you tell a little bit about you? And then everyone who know, has listened to this heard, has heard your name 50 times at least as with so much gratitude for the reunion. So thank you. Well, I went out to um, Vegas in 1981 for the, um, we had three and a half months of rehearsals and I was there for the opening of the show. And I was there in just, just under two and a half years in total. Absolutely incredible experience. And to be there sort of like for the creation of the show as well. So you saw everybody doing their parts, whether whether it was Pete with the costumes, whether it was Bob Rang with, with the sets. So we saw all of those parts coming coming together over the three and a half months of rehearsals, which was which was incredible to, to see, especially for my first dancing job as as well. Had you seen a show like that before? I had seen the Lido. Okay. Um, I had actually seen the Lido about two weeks beforehand because I went on holiday to Paris to have a look at the show before before going out to, to, to Vegas. And um, it was for the opening, I think, of Cocorico. And two of the um, choreographers for Jubilee were actually in the audience at the time. Oh, wow. Richard it was a big deal. And Winston Hensley, they were, they were in the audience. Yeah. Of course, I was too shy to say anything to them. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you had said something before I recorded it. Miss Bluebell never said the word, you never heard the word showgirl. I never heard the word showgirl. I was always like confused. Like there was Bluebells, tall nudes. We didn't call our short nudes. They were called ponies in Hello Hollywood. Hello. I think that was the only show that used that word. Mm -hmm. But just, I don't remember ever thinking I was a showgirl I just knew I was in showgirl numbers but in our show I I was a tall nude I think we danced just as much as the bluebells they got to do top hat but we did some others maybe they we were in the kick line so we weren't separated by these are the girls that walk in the beautiful costumes and these are the ones that dance we all like the bluebells wore some of the beautiful costumes and and then those the tall nudes also got to do some of the we danced I think we were about half and half was jubilee that same kind of thing or was it more split out um, no, it was very much in that way as well. Um, I was a short bluebell. First time in my life I'd actually been called short, but I was a short bluebell. And we had, there were two groups of short bluebells, two tall bluebells, two short nudes and two tall nudes. Plus we had the black boys and girls in a separate group and, and then the singers and, and principals. 
Um, I'd never heard of the word showgirl. I have to never heard of the term until I went to Vegas. And then this term cropped up occasionally, but everybody in the show said, oh no, we're definitely not showgirls. And it was quite sort of looked down upon. I can remember one story going around about with showgirls, they had to to give them one green shoe and one red shoe. So sort of the idea that they couldn't dance. So having the two different shoes, different color shoes, they would know which foot to, to put forward when they were told to move their red foot forward or their, or their green foot, whatever it was. Forward. So we oh, were wow. never ever called showgirls. It's only something that I've heard quite recently, I, I would say. Whether that's because I'm British and that term wasn't used in Britain, that I don't know. Um, I also didn't know that, sorry, my dog's gonna go mad in one second, my husband's gonna throw up. Um, <laughs> just one second, okay. All of our dogs, do you have a dog? Cause your dog's, it's his turn. You're, if you have a dog, it's time to chime in. <laughs> We didn't get to hear uh, Sue Kim's dog's uh, low growl that made me think it was me and I was hungry. So th this is like part of the podcast. Everyone's animals will somehow jump in here. So Lindsay is on mute waiting for her husband to enter. Um, while we're doing that, Sue Kim, I have a question for you. Is yours Bluebell specific or is it showgirls? other shows too that you've archived because you know the Tropicana the Follies Bergere was very well known or was yours focused more on Jubilee and the Don Arden Bluebell it the collections are are you know comprehensive of this entertainment so there is you know obviously a very large segment of of Don Arden papers the Margaret Kelly scrapbooks I just recently received a donation of Lido costume designs from Trisha and Patrick Ludovici uh, we have Tom Hansen's um, uh, collection on Jubilee. He did some of the updates to Jubilee in the 90s, um, Fluff's papers. Um, so those, um, and then of course we have Jerry Jackson. We have Bill Moore who did the ice skating shows uh, in Las Vegas. We have Matt Gregory who did other um, reviews. So it's very comprehensive. Uh, it was a big focus on, on the Lido and Jubilee and Don Arden and Bluebell, but also comprehensive to the other shows in Vegas as well. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's where you think of showgirls. I think Vegas maybe have made it a thing where Paris, we probably it may not, maybe it was dancing nudes and all that, but all, all the uh, marquees that used to have showgirls on it. It was like, this is what Las Vegas, you come to gamble, you see the showgirls and you drink and, and all that stuff. I'm going to come back to more of that though, but I was just curious if it was representing like Follies Berger and some of those that it wasn't just the bluebells because I think of Vegas, I think that's where the world, word showgirl was more. And people I would think of that. Now they don't think to go to Paris to see showgirls. Maybe they go to see, well, maybe they do. I think it's an American thing. It's more of an American yeah, thing. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to mention that in the chat, I put a link to Diane Palm's thesis, which was called Rhinestones in the Desert, The Rise and Fall of the Las Vegas Showgirl and the Productions that Shaped Here. So the, the link is there and you can download the, and you know, if you're, if you're old school like me and you want to print it out and read it as opposed to reading it online, it's there. Oh, um, wonderful. Can we share that with people? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think it, there'll be a lot of interest in this, that when things go away, you appreciate them differently. Could I ask Elizabeth a question about... So 
um, in London, I know in the 60s, there was a place called the Pagal in, um, there was a, a night. <laughs> We're going to come back to that because now Lindsay's dog is quiet now. So we'll come back to Kim for Elizabeth. So Lindsay, when you start seeing these costumes coming out for you to try on, you, had you already learned all the, like the staircase and the showgirl because you did wear some of those, right? Didn't you do some of the big yeah, no, not for- the very not the very big costumes because being part of the Bluebells, we all had the same in the finale. We had the Celestial Ballet, the same costume as everybody else in the group. Whereas the nudes, they had individual costumes. Everyone was completely different. Is that the jewel tone ones? All the different Bob Mackie ones. The Bob Mackie ones, wow. yeah, which were different for each group the color of them would be different for each group so when you're learning this show there's a lot of choreography to learn and there's that massive stage to figure out staging then the costumes come out right like after the show's pretty what was that like when you start seeing what you're going to get to wear it, it wasn't a nightmare because i'd come okay. i'd come from ballet school so i hadn't danced <laughs> in heels before so we you know we learned all these routines great then we had to do the routines in two and a half inch heels. And I, as I said, I'd never danced. And the same as any of my colleagues from, from the UK, basically, we hadn't danced in heels before. So that was a completely new thing to learn. And then, of course, you're given your costumes, metal bras and, and things like that, and, and G-strings. I, I remember my first fitting for the G-string for the Elvis God, I've got to turn around at one at one point with my back to the audience. Everyone's going to see my bum. And this just, <laughs> <laughs> I was like horrified. <laughs> wow, I was like a lot of us like yes, I'm so excited for the job. Then when you get there and we'll go, oh wait, I'm going to be in front of people with this part out and this part. Yes, uh, yeah. I've heard people that there is the Don Arden walk that is different, like. There's, I have teach showgirl class with a friend of mine who worked at Jubilee 10 years younger and even our bevel is different. And I thought now I can't remember what mine was because now I'm trying to learn the different one. And when we were in Paris recently, I was looking at how they do the bevel, but did Don Arden show you the Don Arden walk or did he have someone that, cause I've heard that there is a specific no, no, Don he, Arden. Yeah, he did it. We spent days and days on it. What was it like for you? Okay. In heels for the first time. And he's not the most patient person. Mm-hmm. And there's, can you, because when I teach it, there's different things that I look for. But when, when, what were the things that were challenging to be a ballerina trying to do that? Like the walks, the stance. I think it was that was just fear of Don Arden, to be honest with you. Really? I was absolutely petrified. <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't kind, right? He would just say whatever he thought. Of, he was, said whatever he thought. I mean, I was very, very fortunate. I, he never said a bad word to me, but I certainly heard a lot of bad words being, being spoken. And language I'd never heard before oh. as well. I was horrified over it. So I, I was I was petrified of him. Did, did you get to feel that and embrace that, that beauty of getting to do that walk and wear those costumes? Did it feel oh, different? Yeah, yeah absolutely. How, how was that? Can you describe that? Because when I teach it, there is a transformation when they get it, but it's not a head thing. It's an embodiment thing. I don't know what it's, that was like. I think it just, it comes with confidence. It you are a different person when you've got those costumes on. You you can't not feel it. You you become a character. It's it's not you anymore. It's not Lindsay from from ballet school back in in the UK. You you are you are a bluebell. You are a dancer. Mm. 
And I think the name Bluebell also was a little bit more important to the British girls than it was to the American girls as well. I think possibly Elizabeth will back me up oh, on yeah. this one because we, we all knew Miss Bluebell. I mean, she was an icon in, in the UK. So to be able to work for her was absolutely incredible. I didn't know Don Arden, I'd never heard of him. So for me, it was all about this thing of, you know, wow, being, being able to work for, for Miss Bluebell, where the American girls didn't have that same feeling because they didn't know a, about her. I auditioned for both of them. Don Arden gave, the, it was like 300, 300, 300 dancers at the big cattle call for Hello Hollywood, Hello. And Miss Bluebell was the one that we went back and showed our bodies and then went. So I didn't know either one of them. And so I did not value the Bluebell name. Mm -hmm. I just was so excited to be in the show. And then it was the British girls that educated me more because in America, if you say you're a Bluebell or a showgirl, nobody values either one of those things. So you yeah. felt like, you're yeah. like, what do I call myself? I danced in Vegas and there's an assumption there. So I just feel like we, we didn't have any reference that made people think what we did was more than just stripping. So that was a really tricky thing. If you could say you're a bluebell, people went, okay, then those costumes, that makes sense. Yeah. I think that's why the word showgirl never came into vocabulary for me because I was, when I was in Vegas, I, I was a bluebell. When I went on to do other shows, I was, I was always a cover dancer. So that didn't come into it either. I went from being a bluebell to a dancer, I, I guess you would, you, you would say. So but when I was in Vegas, I wouldn't have, if anyone said, what do you do? It would always be, I am a bluebell. This is one more weird question with you, Lindsay, because you were in Vegas and well, Sue Kim too, because there was Ron Lewis dancers who were topless, but I wouldn't necessarily call those showgirls. So they, I don't, they called themselves dancing nude, but that was a different thing. When the Miss Bluebell's dancers were topless, they were walking and elegant, but Ron Lewis, they could be wearing like three inches of fabric and dancing so hardcore, but they wouldn't. I don't know. They probably had some showgirl elements, but I think it's even confusing on the strip because there were so many variations of nudity and so many variations of, of the style of dance. So I don't know mm -hmm. if that just adds to the confusion in a new way, but we're not adding any clarification. We're just like saying this is a very confusing business we were in. Yeah. I was talking to a young girl the other day and saying, you know, um, and she, and she said to me, well, um, did you have to do any training? I said, well, yeah, of course I did training. I trained for, you know, since I was three years old in ballet, modern and, and tap. And she said, oh, she said, I thought it would just be a thing. You could just, you know, go to Vegas and, and just be a dancer just like that. So you know, people have absolutely no idea really of, of, what, of what you go through to become there. And people's ideas of, of a dancer can be very, very wow. different as well. My hope is once they see the show, they get it. We don't have to explain it anymore, but you have to yeah. get them to see it, to understand, not have to yeah. rely on vocabulary that we don't even understand. So, oh, thank you, Lindsay. Sue so, so Kim, can you come back to what you were going to ask um, Elizabeth? I, well, I just wanted to say one thing about that. You know, in the, in the Folly Berger, you know, the showgirls like say Felicia Atkins or maybe Joyce Grayson or some of these other there were actually just beautiful women that were picked for their looks and they would go on stage and they didn't, again, that could be maybe more what that young lady was thinking of because they didn't really dance. They just looked beautiful. They had were very busty and they wore a beautiful costume, but they were not a dancer. They were a showgirl. And so I think that's, that's the thing yeah. 
people convolute the two words and they don't really realize how that in the vernacular in the showbiz vernacular how those are very different things um mm. but, like, but I think that's maybe that young lady might have been thinking of oh I'm a beautiful girl I can just go on stage and and um, that that did happen in in place in some of the shows but they didn't they didn't dance they'd only put them in something where they just looked beautiful and had to walk and that's all they would have to do from what I understand and yeah and, um but I, what I want to head to ask Elizabeth is I know that there was a nightclub, a famous nightclub in London called Le Pigalle or Pigalle. And I had a wonderful neighbor of, uh, and she, she was a, a, a had been, uh, I don't know if you would have called them a chorus girl, um, but definitely it was definitely a, a topless um, at the Pigalle. Um, so I was wondering if what you knew about the Pigalle and what its reputation was in London in the 60s. It was very well known and yes it had showgirls but you know it was nowhere I would go I was a shorthand typist so you know I would never go to nightclubs but um yeah it was well known and I think Rowena worked um Rowena Harker I think she, mm -hmm. she worked possibly for a little while she was one of the other bluebells that's been on um the podcast mm -hmm. she so. wrote she wrote the book she also wrote a book yeah, yeah. love and love right. and laughter around the world yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I need to buy your book, Elizabeth, for the collection. I bought Rowena's book. So um. it's really, really fun. I got to proof it before it went, um, before it launched was, and it was, I was laughing out loud and it was sweet. It was endearing. And I just love like all of us come in with this innocence pretty much so we don't know what we're getting into. And then this world opens up to us, but hers, it's such a great read. There's just really fun humor. Just the things that don't work on stage are, we all get that, but it's like, everybody's just different. And so there was parts of, you know, with costume mishaps and personality clashes. It's, it's just, it's so good. So let's actually come to you, Elizabeth, and, and, and about why you wrote your book. And also I love your source that all of it came from. Uh, why I wrote the book? Well, I was writing for family and so was telling my, um, I was taking out all my old letters and typing up the pieces where I'd written, you know, I kept all the letters that I'd written to a boyfriend. And uh, so in about four or five years ago, taking all the, I was going through the letters, typing up all the bits that referred to my experiences of whatever was going on in the theater, in the pension, in the train, wherever. And, um, and was just going to write some sort of narrative, but it just happened that my husband's uh, daughter-in-law is a um, is book editor. So, you know, I was telling her and what we did and what it was like. And she said, oh, you know, there's a book there and I'll edit it if you write it. So, hmm. you know, book editor kind of teaches you to write. So it was very good. It was, you know, it was a good experience. But then my, you know, all the things that haven't got, haven't got in one place here. You know, I, I see, I hear, I listen to every podcast and I hear so much that would be great in a, in a book, you know, to be brought together. Somebody I'm actually working on that. I'm, I, I have an app that I can transcribe, edit it down and have a page for each yeah. person's part of it. And I have to get everybody's permission to have them proofread and then their photo to have that with bits of their story and their photo because yeah, yeah. it's like, it feels like these are such a 
great as we're all we're all collectors right here so when you go around and do your book signing who's interested in this who are the people that are buying your book when i'm when i'm at a book fair it's usually it's very easy to sell at a book fair <laughs> it's really um, and it's women um women that do not have a man with them usually i mean i i, I see people people wandering by it's usually women between the age of like 20 about 20 and well, any age of woman almost and once they look at the, t- the cover and I point out and I said oh that was me when I was 21 I'm almost sold the book it's very interesting really <laughs> yes it's just yeah because the, the cover has the line you know the day a few days after we arrived we were in Milan and they took us out on the street um and took a photograph of us. So it's part, you know, there's the line of the us girls. Um, yeah, very interesting. So people are really, people are very interested. Yeah. It's a life that a lot of people don't really, I mean, we get fascinated with yeah. actors and actresses, but this is a, a world that not that many have had the opportunity to, to peek into. So I'm, I'm just really curious of what, after they read it, you know, if that opens up more curiosity to what, what was this? This world is interesting. They, to change the subject a little, I when you're talking about Don Arden during our, so this is 1960, September 1960, August 1960, when we're our rehearsals, we had in, our choreographers both came from New York. The girls, some had been in the original uh, Las Vegas group, the, the first lot that went out there, 59. Um, several of them had been in the Lido, so they all knew um, the would sort of say, well, you know, you'd sort of look around and you'd know, and someone would put up and say, well, Don Arden would do this. And all the, several of the girls would immediately go into a walk or he had a couple of walks that we all learned because of the Don Arden walk. I mean, <laughs> I know Don Arden. When I see you next week, I will show you my Don Arden Yay! walk. Yay, <laughs> we'll video. We'll, we'll go on the show and we'll do our show. And, and walks. I never make anything no, this is, he was young then, <laughs> because I never heard anything, anything bad about him. You know, all that, they all just referred to his, his walks and how we learned, you know, we learned his walks. Very, you know, it's like Interesting. Just, yeah. It's like, what was that for him to develop this, this walk? Like, where did he come up with this? Now I'm so curious about that of why, because it mattered. Like that was, we spent yeah. just as much time on our walks as we did on choreography and when you're getting put into the show. Because you can't, you can't do your own thing. So I, read, I have, oh, sorry, go ahead. Their Italian ship tours. He had actually gone, as they went from theater to theater, he'd gone with them. So he'd just sort of been on a similar tour. So he was, he'd choreographed or, or been over, you know, instead of a captain, I don't know. Um, as they were going, you know, with so many different size stages, so many different ways, so just so many, and where the passerella's in a different place place and um so he uh but the, i heard nothing wrong or, you know nothing bad about him at all i think yes we started those bigger shows more pressure yeah. probably more alcohol yeah. is where yeah. they say yeah. it's kind yeah. of yeah. different different i'm just so curious of how that whole walk you know like why that became because he was so amazing at moving people on the stage like just the whole way he could like stage was was unique so we're, we're going to wrap this up a little bit because there's, there's so much in here, but Sue Kim, I have a question because you, 
have to <laughs> you started with the whole origination of the stardust because that changed las vegas so when you look at the history that you've seen what was it with miss bluebell bringing this first show over to the stardust that maybe changed las vegas assumption of these shows and dancers and showgirls well you know typically the narrative uh goes you know that there was there were um dancers and there was um sort of uh nudity like in you know with the uh with the minsky's burlesque but then it, it's it's typically always thought that that um the the lido de paris brought in so i'm not necessarily speaking of bluebells now i'm speaking of of the that it brought in that sort of elegance in in the, the topless dancers and uh elegance and where you're you know you're focused on the costume and not necessarily the the nudity and the and the beauty of that so but then so that's one aspect of it you know it brought in that uh, it was the topless show but it was cl classic beautiful it was parisian it was elegant um and then of course the the bluebell girls obviously had had the cachet and also they had the cachet because miss bluebell was such a strict um disciplinarian in terms of not allowing them to be used in the casinos as um, decoration and dressing and you know the um so many of the other dancers would have to go down between shows and um decorate the casino or whatever and and mix um that's i guess the word that was used mm -hmm. but um miss bluebell you know as the story has always been told in several occasions that she put her foot down and even stood up to gentlemen who were potentially organized crime affiliated and said no my girls will not mix and if you insist that they will mix we will go right back to Paris and because she stood up to them um, you know the girls did not have to mix and then um, you know obviously I'm sure if they went down to the casino they were welcome to do so on their own but I, they did not have to do it as a policy as from what my understanding is and then also, but that gave them that cachet that, you know, that allure that they were sort of untouchable. So I think um, that's kind of um, something, two ways to kind of think of it. It brought on one hand, this, this sort of elegant um, Parisian um, show, cabaret show um, that was very much just like, I think the way, like I explained to people today, you know, there are, you know, 12, I don't know, could be, I'm, it might be eight shows, eight Cirque shows back in back in the late 50s and 60s, you know, it was the French production show that was the thing. That's why you came to Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, you came to see the Lido, you came to see the Folie Bergère, you came to see Casino de Paris. Um, so it gave that, it, it started that sort of cachet for that French production show in Las Vegas. So that would kind of be my thought. Mm. I love that. I love that bit of history. And also I hear bits of pieces that people don't say online of what it was like working with the mafia in control with some of those shows that were a little bit closer than others to what was, you know, happening in their hotel and their casino. So uh, personal for you too, Sue Kim, why do you do this? Like, what has this done for you to well, preserve and to keep learning? Well, obviously it's my job kind of, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky to have to do something I love. You know, if this was, I wish it was I wish it was all of my job because I have so many other things and so many, you know, things I'm, I'm, you know, twirling in the air at one time. Um, but this, I will say that, you know, definitely, I mean, I have to be fair, it is my job, but I, I do love it. And it, you know, I, it's something where I don't, I do those panels that I do on the weekends. Um, 
you know, that's like a whole day for me in addition to my work week, but I do them and, and I, you know, I'm putting together the PowerPoints, I'm recruiting the presenters, I'm making the arrangements and asking the questions and drafting all the questions. But I do that because I, I, I love like telling this history and I love, and it's, it's just something for the people that never got to experience seeing the show to be able to have, and I do it for the performers because I know it was a wonderful time in their life. And I love for them to have that opportunity to talk about this wonderful time in their life. So I get a little teary eyed because it's so, it's so wonderful for them. And, um, so actually I'm doing a panel on Ron Lewis in October. So I will, now I will make sure yeah. I ask that question. Um, so that I can, um, you know, see what, um, oops, um, you know, we can have that kind of ask that question because I didn't, I didn't think about that either um, because I know that we know that the Ron Lewis style of dancing is very, very different than the kind of more ballet style of, yeah. of Don Arden. I just wanted to see if I could just share my screen for one second because I have a picture of Don from our collection that shows him kind of teaching women the Arden walk. Let's see if oh. I, oh, you, yeah, it, if you can. This is, this is only video, but we can post it with the, um, when this comes out too, cause I'm sure we'll just see that. Okay. There was a lot of dancers that did both. They were Bluebells and Ron Lewis dancers. And sometimes like, I want to go just dance my butt off and sweat. And then like, I want to do a show that I'm not breaking my body. So there was quite a few that, and are equally passionate about both that experience that at that time in history, you could go back and forth and mix up your, your, what you felt like doing where you wanted to go. Yeah. So I'm going to end with Lindsay um, because the book that you put together, the showbiz friends and the reunion, there's, there's some reason that you put all this time and blood, sweat and tears into this. What has that been for you to take on something that we are so grateful, but all of us like, wow, that's a lot of work. Well, it started, but how many years are we going back now? 2008. Well, actually 2007, when I had this idea of, this is prior to Facebook, prior to sort of the word social networking didn't even exist as far as I knew then. And I just had this idea of, wouldn't it be nice to sort of bring people back together again? So I, I worked on it with my husband for, for a year on, on this website, and then we launched it in 2000 and eight and it brought a lot of people together and friends I lost contact with because it wasn't so easy in those days you know we didn't have mobile phones we didn't have zoom and things like that and of course dancers were traveling all over the world so the address that you had for people you know if they could have gone on to another contract or you had their parents address back in the UK, America, wherever it was, the parents might have moved. And so it was, wasn't was easy to keep in contact with people. So I had this idea of sort of, you know, archiving some of the shows that were around the world. So I started off, I started doing Paris, first of all, all the different shows that were, first of all, the Blue Bowl shows, obvious reasons, the ones I knew about, and then sort of developing out from there. Then, then the second place that I did was, was Vegas and then London places and I said we launched in, in 2008 and then from talking to people there seemed to be this idea that people wanted to meet so my husband and I flew over to Paris and we asked them if we could organize a reunion and the leader had just been taken over then yeah and basically I don't think they really even knew what 
what they'd bought. They didn't really know what bluebells were. And I sat there with the managing director of the leader, the new managing director, and the, the press guy. And I said to him, do you, do you know much about the bluebells? And they said, no. I said, let, let me tell you something about them. Oh. And I sat down. And they both sat there and they had tears rolling down their face. They had absolutely no idea what it was. And I said, and I just oh. want to have a reunion and bring people back together again. And that's what we did. We worked on it for a year and then we had it. It worked with Miss Bluebell's 100th birthday. So it was the, the ideal time and then as you know we did the the second one in in 2019 so that's how it sort of came about really at the moment the website is not it's not up we've taken it down because it needs a complete rehaul which mm. is a lot of time and a lot of money but we're yeah. We're, yeah. we're in the process of of doing it that reunion was so wonderful because I had forgotten that part of my life. And if I had known there was one in 2008, I think that was when I was starting to find how important this was to me yeah. and to all of us. And that reunion, we all sound magical, that there was surprises, like just to get there and get our ID with our picture on it and then to get that book. And we there were so many things to do. It wasn't until I got back to my room and went, oh my gosh, the, the amount of work to do that of all this, all the Bluebell yeah. shows yeah. was yeah that was just such a wonderful beautiful surprise to take home so it wasn't until I got home that I've actually you know go through it slowly I don't want to just look at the pictures I really wanted to read things like how did I not know hardly any of this I only knew from what I knew of friends that had done the shows I had not really understood the sequencing or the the whole evolution of it so what was yeah. what was that like to even gather all that information because well, that's was, a lot it was Christian my son that did most of it I did sort of some research sort of sitting next to him but he did he did the majority of it <laughs> not a very long time because he was he was studying so it was basically in in the whole when he finished his the academic year he was in the holidays and as you know we had the reunion in the August so he didn't have much time to do it to get it printed and then shipped all over to 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 Paris so it was hard work my my husband my son and I sort of putting things together as in the layout and things and doing the name badges we had two computers between that had photoshop on them between between the three of us and we we worked in 24 hour shifts and we would take it in turns to go to sleep for a few hours and then get up and take over from from the computer it was it was crazy towards the end i mean we had we, we were sleeping like four hours a night for the last the last few weeks it, it was crazy to get it to get it all done in time how, how was it for you there, one of my favorite pictures at the reunion is when we're we just seen the show the current cast is out there in their costumes all of us all dressed up on filling up that whole stage mm-hmm. because I know when you're in it and there's a lot of work you maybe don't get to feel the importance and, and the beauty of it but what was that like for you to see all these bluebells in one place um, I think just... a little bit was a little bit relief that, <laughs> that it had come together <laughs> proud obviously yeah, yeah. I was very happy to have done it with my husband and son that was very special to, to that part made that. me that made me cry when they were they looked so proud of you up there and to see you all three standing together yeah. all three of you were there when they, we were greeted it just felt like this was a really beautiful thing yeah and to, they, they were, to... I mean, it was my name that was there because people knew me but they were and my husband did all of the the um the graphics for it all sort of like the behind mm. the scenes 
things. Christian did the book and he did the video. So he did, he did an awful lot. No, like when Sue Kim, when you said that performers come in and they read that and they get emotional, like it matters to us, then it may not have mattered, you know, when we left our twenties and performing went on and did other things. And now it's like so much gratitude that all the work that you put into that. And like Elizabeth writing your book, that there are places that we can connect instead of just watching it fade into a little puff and go away. Mm -hmm. So we're going to end with this question because it's still just as confusing. What is a showgirl? in a sentence <laughs> and we're going to have very different. Cause if you weren't a showgirl, you still had assumptions or maybe a new understanding of. Who's going fast. <laughs> Go ahead, Elizabeth. Okay. I still can't erase the, the 20 year old idea that, Oh, I can't be a showgirl. And I know, all these great people that were showgirls that danced so much better. I think there's that, 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 that it's really, um, oh, what's the word? Um, there's these people, these people, dance, such good dancers who can call themselves showgirls. The two things still don't, don't go together. Yeah, it makes your brain hurt. <laughs> How can they possibly be showgirls? Because my historic brain has this showgirl image. And they're such good dancers. Yeah, it's really hard. I think I'm still 40 something years later, still wrestling with that to feel like I still have to justify it. Because if people don't know what it is, how do you clarify? Because you always have to have what it's not before you can get to what it is. Yeah. How, how about for you, So Kim? So Kim, what is your understanding with showgirl says like you've got Luann and all these people that you've had on panels and so many different ways to explain it and it still doesn't make it work in a sentence I'm like this this academic that has to be you know really kind of didactic about well let me tell you what a showgirl is not and let me tell you what a dancer is not so I you know if I if I put on like the academic hat I'm really like specific about it but I suppose if I was putting on my like just like um being in awe, you know, I'd see this sort of symbol of Las Vegas glamour and um, beautiful creature and feathers and rhinestones. And um, of, of course, knowing that bluebells also wore feathers and rhinestones. But, you know, if I was putting on my sort of like, oh, la la, let me think kind of fun hat, I, that's maybe I, and that's mm. probably what people in Las Vegas think of. They don't really, they have no conception of the difference. They, they, you know, collate the two things together. Um, so we tend to think, you know, showgirl is any woman in a with feathers and rhinestones and who danced on stage. They 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 just cannot make that leap because it's too difficult. So if I was going to say, you know, if I have the Las Vegas conception, it's a beautiful symbol. It's a creature symbolic of of Las Vegas um, entertainment history. Um, so in in rhinestones and feathers and in sequence. Mm. Awesome. Thank you, Sukiyam. How about you, Lindsay? Um, I'm very much in sort of on par with Elizabeth here, possibly because we're both British that might have a different. So I don't think the word showgo is used so much in the UK as what it's used in, in America. I know that when I was a dancer, I would have hated to have been called a showgirl because I felt at that time a dancer danced and a showgirl didn't. 
that was my idea in the 80s about a showgirl. I would say in the last probably less than 10 years, I would say probably possibly the last five years, I can feel proud in saying that I was a showgirl mm. because I think of it as this, as like a talented, beautiful dancer in Vegas. But mm. I didn't think, I wouldn't have thought of that at the time. So I have two different perspectives. I have one when I was a dancer, I wouldn't have been wanted to call, be called a showgirl. Now I think of it, and for some reason, I would only sort of think of showgirls in Vegas. I wouldn't think in Paris. I, get, I think it goes with America. I think it's just a dancer in America, in that type of review in America. I, I wouldn't think of the dancers in the Lido or the Moulin Rouge as showgirls. So interesting. So we haven't cleared anything up, but no. we have we have given the perspectives, <laughs> which is why it's so difficult. Because yeah, I think that that's all. And also, Elizabeth, when you see the new show, these this caliber of the this cast, they are just amazing. And they yeah. have a couple of showgirls, but they brought back a, a uh, tableau of of a tribute to the older shows, and the costumes still look amazing. That they've had to maybe fluff them up a bit, but to see those girls put on those costumes because they the show they have now it isn't that it's not the huge headpiece it's a lot smaller so I've talked to some of them and for them to get to wear these costumes that have this history that are grander than grand and to see them with their beautiful technique do this they're just glorious and they love it they feel it they feel different when they put on the showgirl regalia even though they're dancing and they're doing like point work in this show too it's just wonderful to see them embrace it in Paris maybe in a way we just couldn't because of the stigma. So um, they, they call themselves showgirls. A lot of that I've talked to, they teach showgirl heels. And for them, it's about the class. You're not humping the floor. You're not grabbing yourself. It's the essence. It's the beauty. It's the, be- the ability to hold still. Um, so that's, uh, we'll probably wrestle with this forever. And then when these things go away, like Rachel Williams says, is that what people think we did that we just paraded around naked on stage? Is that how the showgirl is going to be remembered? We're like, not if we are still alive and we're still telling our stories and we're still showing the pictures and, and I always have to, and I did dance and I always have to say how many kicks I did and hello, Hollywood, hello to somehow make it feel justified. that I was, I was an answer. I, I did. I kicked my face many times in the show. So I thank you for this. And this is going to come out in a month after the Lido closes. And I will um, kind of piece this together because everybody's contribution is really different. And we all have struggled with what this name is because even the word bluebell, I have to justify it here in America because people think I have a garden show. They have no idea what bluebells forever is. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if I post pictures are still, they're not interested. Most people, it's just kind of a frustrating thing. But those of us who get it, appreciate the archives that Sue Kim is putting together. We appreciate Luann's art things and Karen Burns and the Showgirl Museum in Las Vegas and the reunions and the book that you've, that Elizabeth, both the books that are out there. We appreciate that this is valued by people enough to Put it down in print and, and put it somewhere safe. So best to you ladies. Elizabeth, I'll be seeing you in less than a week to see the show. We're gonna do our Don Arden walk out in front of the Lido. That's right. <laughs> Thank share you pictures. all. Share pictures. We want to see I pictures. will. Absolutely. Lots and lots. All right. So I am here for the very last of the series, how the showgirl will, will be remembered. 
with two beautiful girls that I actually got to watch the rehearsal of, and I'm going to see the show. And there's a lot of sadness and tears and watching combustions, <laughs> like emotions between the cast come up. So we're in a, it's a vulnerable time to be talking about this, but it was really important to me to finish this series with the younger generation that are now representing the Bluebells to the end. I love that you said the younger generation. The younger, <laughs> yeah. These guys are just all eight babies, 18. But you also have the maturity, you are not like super young. So the maturity that you have kind of goes into what a showgirl is because you don't want to see 16-year-old be showgirl. This is wrong. So we, a lot of the things that came up is we all had to start with what a showgirl is not. And a lot of us from the older generations had to like, well, we weren't strippers or a showgirl meant you dance because it was the assumption because early days, showgirl were the ones that just paraded around they're usually taller with not much dance training yeah. and then the dancers dance and then it started to change and so showgirl means so many things to so many people and now the stigma in vegas are the girls that walk around with like the amazon showgirl costumes and like their butt cheeks hanging out and and then just having people take pictures That's and people go showgirl. and people in vegas go oh yeah that picture of the showgirl and we go no it's not a showgirl. That's not a showgirl you can see just by the shoes and the bevel yeah, and no, there's more the to shoes, it. The shoes. <laughs> so you'll hear the older generation talk about it, like what it meant and the confusion. Like we always feel like we're almost defensive. But yeah. I feel like when I did your interviews, you guys own that name without apology. And it's so beautiful. Like maybe it's been reclaimed in a way. And whatever, when the show closes and other people are calling themselves showgirls and cabarets that maybe don't hold the same <laughs> elegance. And, you know, there's different different way but I think when I think of Lido showgirls I do I do or Lido and also like Vegas the bluebell showgirl yeah. I used to say it was a dancer that did showgirl pieces <laughs> like, I'm in a showgirl piece but I dance and that was always the the defense the defense of the end is like but I promise I dance like, <laughs> even when I meet people now and they're like what do you do I'm like I'm a showgirl like and I'm so proud to say yeah. I'm a showgirl I, I'm not like oh I'm a dancer in Paris I'm a Parisian showgirl. Like that's Parisian showgirl. That's why I am. Do people kind of get it? Like people in Paris, do they understand a showgirl different than maybe Oklahoma? I think <laughs> the French culture for sure they know what the, the Parisian cabarets are and the showgirls and yes. Lido and they totally get it. But that's part of the culture in France. That's part of Paris. And it's always been a glamorous thing, hasn't it? I yeah. Mean, prestigious. Yeah. Whereas when I, I remember when I first said to like my some of my friends, you know, I'm, I'm going to Paris to be a showgirl. They're like, "Sorry, you getting tits out?" You know, yeah, like, yeah. And I was like, "Well, yeah. Well, you, what you're going to be a stripper?" No. And then like when you explain it a little bit more, that's when they sometimes got it. just need to edu educate, educate people right, right. On, on, yeah. what, on what it is because people can be ignorant to what it is if they they don't really know. And once you explain it, and I like to show costume pictures because then people kind of understand, yeah. like, oh, you wear that. Wow. First, I have to say who we have. I didn't even say your names. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got Charlotte Jordan yes. and Eve Jordan, which are not sisters, but sister in laws that yes. were best friends yes. coming into the show, met your prospective husbands, and how share a name. And they're brothers. Yeah. yeah. That's that's such a fun story. So that's just here talking. So when you say you're a little bit, maybe say who's talking because we don't have video. Okay. Okay. So they have different personalities. So Charlotte wrote hers out. And I love that. <laughs> and Eve's gonna wing it. It's a hard question. Like if you get put on the spot, people are like, uh, uh so yeah, maybe it's some forethought. Charlotte, yeah. do you want to share what you wrote down? Yes. So I just wrote a few notes down about um what 
for me what the showgirl is. So a showgirl, she's elegant, she's beautiful, she's intelligent, yeah. she's talented, graceful, driven, and will bedazzle people with her smile. Mm. <laughs> like we were saying earlier, it's about having a presence. Yeah. It's just that je ne sais quoi. <laughs> and I feel like as showgirls, we are rare species. <laughs> that I'm, I'm I afraid. Can just imagine you right. I'm afraid. Uh, becoming extinct kind of like dinosaurs yeah. because yeah. you know with the closing of all the las vegas shows and now the closing of leader I, I do fear that it's a species that is going extinct maybe we'll come back in 10 20 years who knows i mean there's still the moulin rouge here and there is other cabarets but i think yeah it's i think one to be remembered correctly is a good it's a good thing that while we're doing this instead of feeling defensive like if you put your heart and soul into this it matters that it's pro correctly represented. Yes, exactly. And I, I, going back to the um, qualities of a showgirl, you know, showgirls aren't just a pretty face that can dance. I think the women I've worked with here are strong, powerful, intelligent women, very intelligent. They've got other qualifications other than other than dance and um, just just so driven as well. And um, you need to be intelligent to, you know, learn all the choreography and remember it all. And especially the swings who know up to you know, 15 different tracks and it could be changing every night. And you've got to be on the ball to do things like that. And the showgirl adapts to whatever is thrown at her. Um, and she can even change styles of dance. We don't just gracefully walk in pretty costumes. We have different styles of dance, especially in show we do today and um we wear the costumes the costumes don't wear us and i think we can the showgirl can make anything look beautiful yeah. oh it's so good um and yeah i'm just really proud to be a showgirl and I'll, I'll always talk about it and i want future generations to know what the showgirl is even if it's not around anymore i want it to be remembered oh, in the right way so good <laughs> yeah like it becomes part of you it's not just your job description yeah. or your job title. But I think that's the part that I'm going to really, really... Um, oh, gosh. Oh, <laughs> that's what I'm going to really struggle with. And I think the hardest thing for us is, like, I mean, I'm 34. I this don't is Eve Sorry, hi, now. Eve. <laughs> Shall Charlotte's 34. Oh, right. <laughs> so I'm 34 Eve. Yes. Um, and I mean, I've reached a point after just over 10 years of being at Nido where I've worked so hard to get where, to where I am. Um, and I feel like I'm leaving Nido at the highest part, like position that I could go to. Yeah. And, I want to leave on a high. I don't want to start in another job at the bottom, working my way up again at 35. It's just not what I want to do. Yeah. And also for me, there is nowhere higher than the leader. The leader has always been my ultimate goal. And to then go even to another cabaret that is viewed to the external world, like on a par with Lido, for me personally, it will never be like the leader was always my ultimate goal. Yeah. And so I think the part that hurts the most is that the decision hasn't been made 
by me or yeah. by us as dancers and there's a lot of us that are in the same position as myself yeah. maybe not the same age but girls in their 30s even just in their 30s whatever it's still that difficult turning point of age where you think what do I want to do realistically is anything else going to fulfill me as much as my life has been fulfilled here at Lido like in a dance career so yeah. I think at this point a lot of people are going for huge career changes because we're not going to have that same fulfillment anywhere else and um, that's the bit that hurts that's the sting is that they're deciding that in a week that's my last show on stage that's my last time I get to perform and there's moments of watching rehearsal when I see people look around at this space and then start crying because it's like you're you not when close, shows would close like you know charlotte the closing of shows like <laughs> that was your interview was like dang but it's different when you know there's something maybe not the same theater like you know when jubilee closed that there was still paris yeah but for yeah. now to just say this like this is the end of an era but yeah. maybe it's temporary and maybe things need to go away for people to value it i have a question for charlotte who's 33 <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> they're both equally pretty. So just so you know, they're both equally pretty, equally smart. You you had said when you went to Vegas, you were like going to be like a not a proper showgirl, but there was some some connotation with the French showgirl and the Vegas showgirl. Las Vegas showgirl. Yeah. What was that in your eyes? Um, well, I like what was it that you saw the difference? Oh, I, I wouldn't say there was a, a huge difference between the Las Vegas and the French showgirl. Was it just kind of a for me, the showgirl, well, I suppose it's, it's been longer in, in Paris when you think about it, but when I was young and I thought of showgirls, I thought of Vegas, and it was just always a dream of mine to be on a stage in Las Vegas as a showgirl, and those costumes were just, I mean, the, the costumes in all of the old Lido shows were amazing, but those Bob Mackie costumes in, um, in Jubilee were just insane <laughs> did you bring anything back different you think from dancing in that show when you came back to paris um i don't think so um brought back a lot of uh, american oh. lingo a slightly different walk as well there was a different walk in the jubilee show and maybe so i picked up the the, the style of walk there when I came back it was like we don't walk like that here anymore <laughs> it is so different though teaching children like even uh even within the states the difference of 10 years of the bevel was like wait when did this happen and then I couldn't remember how I actually did it anymore because I've watched the, the bevel here is different yeah so decades if it's which country it's in that it has altered a little yeah, bit but I like it to have a race have a different walk yeah. definitely different walk like how to hold your arms and but it looks good if everybody is doing similar with yes. the show like yeah, yeah not just do your own because it it does look amazing to see that many beautiful women who know how to stand up pull it up and yeah. just be totally present yeah so we're gonna we're gonna end with you Eve, who's 34 <laughs> <laughs> and so great and that's why i think a showgirl like i hope i said it when recorded it, i don't want to see it on 16 year olds the more mature the woman is i think the more glamorous it is and more regal and um it feels exalted different like there is something of earning it as a woman yeah that for people in the audience to see womanly instead of girlish yeah. is something that is i want to say more regal so you're not going to be doing on the stage but a lot of people said like what they carry into their life as a show because we can say once a, a bluebell always a bluebell but once a showgirl 
you know, like I came to the reunion here a few years ago and watching these women who were 80 stand out there. Like I came in the corner, I'm like, oh, there's my people, how they were standing and how they were interacting and how they presented, how they walked in. Some of us had canes and hip replacements. But when you think of always being a showgirl, what, what part do you think, even without a stage, will stay with you? I don't know, just everything. As I said, it's who we are. There's a feeling that you get when you're on that stage. It's, you can't describe it. It's like nothing will ever come close to that persona almost that you are on stage like we're idiots <laughs> normally aren't we like, we're always laughing and joking and being silly but as soon as you get us on the stage we're like these glamorous powerful yeah mm, women who powerful. just out the stage and become this kind of untouchable goddess it is the best that's, that's not who i am at all in life <laughs> But when I'm on that stage, that's the feeling that I had. And that's the feeling that when I first started at Lido, Peter Rambert, that was what he was constantly trying to get from us, that we were these untouchable goddesses on stage. That it was like this, you can look at me in awe, but don't ever for a minute think that you can come close and touch us. Or, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and that power. is like, that is something that will go on. The amount of tools that we have learned is I think as a dancer in general you don't have to be a bluebell girl or a showgirl even you know like just as a dancer in general it's just you learn how to be social how to um command yourself how to be able to interact with people in a way that normal people like don't don't do and I'm like I I'm scared that it's become so much of me that I don't know how to move on in life without that being who I am. Makes oh, it makes sense. You made me cry. And I think it's like just to embrace how hard this is instead of acting like it's not. I love how real that what it brings up. Because I think finding each other even on social media and doing the podcast and hearing the stories, like I feel like even if we can't be on the stage, we at least we know we get it. Because if you talk to your other friends, yeah who have no idea what you're talking about, think you're ragging. When you get around each other and you start to tell the stories, it's still in there. And that doesn't fix it, but it's something of coming back to it myself after I left it for years. Like, I am still this. Yeah. This exactly. still matters instead of like, well, then I quit being a showgirl and became a mother. Like, well, oh, I stories. can be both at the same yeah. time. And so I think the, the time to grieve, the time to be present, you've got how many more shows to be present. And then like to honor that this is a hard unchosen ending yeah and then the, i think that that showgirl part is in there forever yeah i think it's hard as well because obviously like i have two little girls and they've both seen the show one is like just turned one years old so like she has no idea and she cried pretty much the whole time but my other daughter she's gonna be four in like two months and she knows what she's watching every time that she comes here she adores it she wants to come back for the last night because she adores it so much and 
the one thing that really upsets me is that like I never in a million years imagined that I would never be able to bring the girls back and be like this is what mummy used to do okay maybe not this show it was a new show but this is the legacy that lives on and oh, now maybe she wanted to do it she's a I mean, budding she, dancer yeah <laughs> She could have been a future blue well. Absolutely. And I think that's, it's just such a shame that I don't have the opportunity now to be able to bring back. And but we just need to keep just, talking about oh, it. Yeah. And Get some feathers out. Show her how it's done. Show, oh, <laughs> but the part that you would teach, I think, is how you described it, is the, the glamour, the yeah. powerful. So like, just be pretty, because I know it's like a little girl, it's fun oh, to dress up. Yeah. But if you teach confidence yeah. and that you are, have the ability to take up space without apologizing yeah what a gift even if you know like the thing that you will already embody and what if for girls not to just like look how pretty you are <laughs> yeah look how it's, a, it's a different um thought process behind it it's not just being pretty it's about being commanding and powerful and empowered yeah let's end there that's i'm gonna see the show tonight i'm only i, I told her i only brought water mascara for this trip because i'm just crying all over the place but it's a joy it's like it's both things i'm crying i'm so sad it's over i'm so honored that I was a part of it i'm so glad i got to be here i'm so glad i got to hear the stories instead of just, there's some girls in paris that are pretty and the show's ending it feels very much attached to all of our story so thank you for i think this is the best way to end the series because you guys embrace again. that <laughs> no but go for it the best way is to is like to like embrace the word showgirl instead of apologizing it because then we can own it and not and then people will start to maybe believe that what we're saying is true thank you ladies wait how do i <laughs> I've done that before. <laughs> I have to edit this part. Stop recording. <laughs>